I got a hundred thousand says I can take you all in the next quarter mile. Yeah, you broke ass has got a hundred grand. We pull off this job, I will. The next two lights, hundred thousand. We don't pull this job off, we're probably dead anyway. Let's make it a million. I like that. All right, million dollar quarter mile. All right then. Only live once. Let's do it. What do you say, Don? We're talking or we racing? Just don't cheat this time. Gotta let that go. This is around the time where we start to get really excited about how close to 200 we're getting, you know? Yeah. We start celebrating and making plans and talking about what it's going to be. And (laughs) We didn't really decide last time what we were calling our coverage of the Fast and the Furious uh, franchise. I didn't know if we were calling it the Schmashed and the Schmurious or if we were going to call it, you know, Two two Schmashed, Two Schmurious. (laughs) Anyway, so yes, we're back. Mm -hmm. Last time we talked about the first four films. We didn't really say this last time before we started talking, but we're assuming that if you're listening, you've either seen these movies or you are someone who doesn't care and just wants to hear us talk, no matter what we talk about. Um, so we're, so which one are we on now? We're on Fast, we're on Fast five, 5, where the series really does go from being a, a story about street racing, really, in any realistic way, even yeah. though the fourth one really kind of did away with a lot of that. And it really does become a... A modern, global, let's hit every quadrant, let's hit every market franchise. Yeah. You know, so it's it's competing with the the superhero films and the and the mm-hmm. Star Warses and all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. just huge. Harry Potter, all these movies that come out that break records, um, and the most recent one actually like got to a billion, awful fast, super yeah. fast. Well, it broke the opening weekend record for worldwide opening, mm-hmm. besting Jurassic World and Force Awakens. Yeah. What the fuck? So what do these movies have? I, I mean, I have some some quick answers to that, why these movies are, are more easily digestible by a mm-hmm. wider group of people. But what do you think it is about this franchise? Do you think it's a symptom of like things they're actually doing right in the creative sense? Or do you think it's a symptom of just how broad the net is in, in terms of car culture as opposed to, say sci-fi fantasy culture or superhero culture or whatever. Like, sure. what, do you, what do you think the divide is there? Is it really about the quality of these movies or is it just about the fact that there aren't many other franchises that are trying to bring so many people in? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I definitely know what you're saying. Like, I... it's not nerdy. Right. You know, it, right. like, it's... most of the other franchises, like, I like nerdy stuff. Like, I think these movies are sort of meat-headed yeah. in the same way that the movies that I like are kind of nerdy. It's, it's kind of counter-programming for some of the nerdier stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that... Um, I don't think that everybody can look a person in the eye and say, I've seen all the Harry Potters. Yeah. But a, a guy that, you know, works a works a nine to five, gets a little dirty, can be like, yeah, I watched Fast and the Furious last night and Dom fucked everybody up in it. Right. Yeah. It's something about, again, I keep saying, keep coming back to this, a man that can kick someone's ass. Yeah. Several people, all of them at this point, yeah. can kick everybody's ass. And then what it does, too, is... But what's happening, Ronald, is you're introducing two characters into a fight who both can kick someone's ass, and you're going like, 
Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We're not in Jason Statham's world. We're in Vin Diesel's world. Yeah. So ultimately, Vin Diesel kicks all the ass. But yeah. Jason Statham, you know him as a guy who can kick ass. Right, I just think right. that's interesting. The Rock, too. Like, these yeah. are characters that, that are played by people who were used to seeing them kick a lot of ass. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's the best version of all of the people that you love kind of coming together. And then as, as weirdly sexist as some of these things can be, the women in this are starting to kick a lot of ass. And there's something kind of cool about seeing that too. So, you know, there's a little bit of everything I in it. I think the fifth movie does mark a turn towards more, yeah. I don't know, what, I mean, none of the characters are particularly deeply drawn in terms of on the page, right. you know? I mean, there's, there's, there's development and there is mythology. But so to call them like, really strong characters almost almost all of them have a certain amount of kind of cartoonish simplicity to the way they're sketched yeah, in right. but i do think you're right that you get towards more empowered female characters they very tangibly are changing the focus of the thing from that car culture thing to more of a espionage style uh storyline where this is now a team that the government is bringing in because they don't have anyone else that right. can that can race cars quite so well it's so far-fetched but at this point it it's almost like after five, it, the leap works. The leap from four to five, I have to admit, having been sold on this, as five is when it gets good, or five is when it gets interesting, or five is the first really good one, five, I really had a lot of trouble with five. Five is my favorite one. I did not particularly enjoy five. I loved five. It still felt like a a, a particular idea of what a cool guy is, you know, like Dom Toretto, just as a You character. really have a thing with that cool guy thing, huh? I just think that it's like, <laughs> yeah, I just do. don't like it. I don't yeah. like cool guys, you know? I, I feel you. I, I just never, I mean, I'm not convinced by their coolness, and I don't right. think that that guy who is so convinced he's cool and maybe even being played by an actor who's like really relishing the chance For of being sure. cool. There's so many levels of cool to that, that yes, uh, maybe I'll, I'll try not to keep mentioning it anymore. <laughs> but it is true. No, it's totally fine. But it I is mean, true that like that's something that holds me at arm's length. I was going to say, to circle back to the question about the like how they've become so huge, I think like marking it with uh, Tokyo Drift, like the decision to kind of make the movies a global set piece right. you know going to tokyo then going you know with fast and furious taking it to mexico and this going to rio de janeiro like going around and it continues with the films after that mm -hmm. i think kind of like and that goes in hand with this idea of this mission impossible these things that can take you to i think there's one in, one of them's in like mumbai mm -hmm. like it opens the film up to a international market you it know does. like beyond just having movies that take place in the united states like while some of those movies may still be big movies like a lot of the superhero films um this being a great example of not only expanding the set pieces in the the, the where the film is shot but the cast you know like casting yeah. you know um you know asian actors casting black actors casting mexican you know, casting Israeli actresses, you know, just mm -hmm. really spreading out over the course you of the You mean series. Wonder Woman? Yeah. 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 Uh, cast, you know, casting this, this, I mean, literally, this wide net of, like, different people for whatever mm. roles, the villains or the heroes. I think that this film has done a really, I mean, you can, you know, label it however you want to label it. They have done an amazing job at being diverse. Yeah, definitely. You know, in the casting, in their, in the director's, you know, you have, uh, you know, all these different kinds of people making these films yeah. and being in these films. And um, I think that's what's really interesting in thinking about how now, especially in these last four, they've really doubled down on the family thing. Mm -hmm. I love this, this idea of this family, this, this motley family of this, like, different people, right. you know, different backgrounds, 
however cheesy it is that they've come together, like there's an, there's a really simple thing that I think people across the world, mm-hmm. whatever language you speak, yeah. can buy. And I think that's why these films have legitimately become like some of the most successful movies of all time. No, I think that, well, and they will continue. Yeah, I guarantee it. Yeah. But I think you know, for two more at least, and they're talking about spinning off certain characters. And I'm sure and, they will. Um, yeah. but this film specifically, the reason I think I kind of like it so much, is because they took a really good step in. <clears throat> you know, so like you have Han coming in, who is a a, a fan favorite character. You're mm-hmm. introducing the Rock. You have um, is it is it Ilana the agent who mm-hmm. shows back up later in the yes. series, like you you have all these characters like they're not stopping in terms in terms of increasing the scope of the franchise, right. mm-hmm. you know even in part four in part four, even though you're coming back to to Dom and Letty and Brian, you're not getting <clears throat> a lot of new characters like you meet some of their crew when they were in in Mexico, mm-hmm. but. And and, and and even those characters are coming back in later sequels. Like they, they don't forget about any of these people. Right. Which I think is really admirable and I think that's why a lot of people like genuinely love the series, love that like the series is embracing everything about the series. Mm-hmm. Like it's embracing every character, you know, from every movie that this series has made, they've all come back to be in at least one more movie. Yeah. You know, and I think that's kinda cool <laughs> because like I think that's just the idea of when it pivots in five they just double down onto what we're really good at right now, and they from there five, six, seven, eight. It just is like literally climbing steps. Yeah, you know, box office, even critical response to these films like sharply goes up. Oh no, five you is know? when critics start sort of getting in on the fun or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. kind of talking about that before just how diverse the cast is has to be a huge factor in like the the, the global part of it and i you know i hadn't even thought about the behind the camera aspect too but you're right yeah i mean you have rob cohen john singleton justin lynn james wan um who did eight who did eight oh oh, f gary yeah f gary gray it's crazy i I don't know who else they have going on for the other ones but i mean any you know and i don't know just like the production team is diverse um I don't know. I just think that's really cool. You know, the week that we're recording this podcast, or the week following the the off box office for like you know Fast and the Furious is still number one and part eight, but a movie you know comes out with Emma Watson and Tom Hanks in a movie, and it it, it is bested by two international or films starring international stars mm-hmm. that most American audience people may not even recognize. Yeah. That's like an indicator of like what's going on right now in the domestic and the worldwide box office. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and I think the Fast and the Furious franchise is something that... It's like, it's we talk about this all the time, the importance of the international box yeah. office, but yeah. this series, maybe more than any other, truly is, is like positioned to yeah. totally take advantage of that. All those things we've described are part of that appeal. And it's yeah. hard to know like what they were thinking exactly when they switched... When they when they decided to kind of change the tone of the franchise, yeah. but surely they were picturing, okay, if we're gonna extend this thing, the only way to extend it is to maybe get away from <coughs> racing being the core of the storylines. Totally. You still yeah. have to have something kind of happen in a car, crazy cars, but but it it doesn't have the same like you're dealing with the main plot point. Like those first four movies are basically like 
the pod racing section of Phantom Menace in a sure. way. As far yeah. as if you know what I mean, it's all about a race, winning a race to get a thing. That's like there's drama to that, but it only goes so far. And if they're going to keep pumping these things out and keep rolling in actors, and now they've absorbed Helen Mirren, you know, I mean. It's Charlie like Theron, th- th- nobody like... is saying no to this franchise. And why would you? Yeah. Why, yeah, right. Why would you? Well, it's the same way we've said before about some of these other things. Not to keep mentioning Marvel, but you know they 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 collect great actors too. Absolutely. And it's gotten to the point where it's not surprising. No and way. And so when you hear that Kurt Russell, for instance, is going to be in a Fast and Furious movie, it doesn't make you think like. What's Kurt Russell doing in these movies? You mm-hmm. go, oh, Kurt Russell's bellying up to the trough. He's, totally. He wants to be part of it. Yeah. And maybe it's fun to do these movies. I don't know. I, I would imagine well, it is. I was going to say, this is the first movie that had a more serious tone in terms of... So the theme has always been like, should I be in this illegal life or not be in this illegal life, right? Mm-hmm. This is the first one that tackled a kind of one foot in, one foot out thing that Brian has and his family and the conflicts that... And I think that like everybody can kind of relate to the idea who I who who was I when I was a younger person right. versus who am I going to be as a family person? Right. Am I going to kind of buy into this? Am I going to close the door on right. my former self? Am or I, I going to still into be me? This yeah. new life of yeah. having kids and and living this life and. You see more of Mia. She's talking more. Yeah. She's she's worried about her husband. Or uh, is he not a husband at this point? No. Right? They're very close at this point. Yeah. But there's something about that conflict that I think that every person can relate to. People being one foot in, one foot out of the, this life and mm-hmm. just kind of yeah. stepping into adulthood. And that is the whole idea. That's the bigger picture of what family is, too. Mm-hmm. Protecting that idea of of a person that believes <clears throat> in who you are. When you were wild Brian. Yeah, Yeah, but also being like, you need to be smart and get with your family. In fact, you have a a brother in law or, you know, a figure saying, be good to this person you're dating. Be be good to this person who's. uh, See, I think Dom thinks he has to say that, but I don't feel like Brian (laughs) had to be told that. I think it's so funny that Dom is like, I need, look, your life's going to be different from here on out. (laughs) And it's like, Oh really? Oh, I didn't know. Thank God, Dom Toretto was here to explain to me that my life. Well, he's also like a guide. He's guidance, yeah. you know. Yeah, right. Right. He's right. like he's like Gandhi. Like he's telling him everything he needs to know. <laughs> right. Because Brian cannot think of anything on his own. Brian is literally the calmest person out of everybody. In yeah, this Brian's person. got it together pretty much <laughs> like, for Brian, the most you gotta, part. You got to get it together, Brian. Yeah. Brian's like, I am here with yeah. my fucking girlfriend. Yeah. It's sweet. it's it's funny. But... Yours is way better. I, I, my voice just isn't deep enough to do it. Also, this has the. Putting together the team. I mean, which again, yeah, yeah. A, again, it's a it's a cliche that works. Mm-hmm. Every time it happens, yep. you get this little giddy feeling. You know, it doesn't totally. always amount to a great sequence, but when someone has that sort of like, all right, we need you to do this, and they're like, all right, but I'm going to need to put together a team. You get this little yeah. feeling. And then honestly, watching these movies, knowing sort of what was coming, but not knowing exactly, mm-hmm. I did have this feeling of, oh, that's really cool. Again, made me think maybe that's why people responded so much to part five. It did crack me up, though, that they were listing why the different people were being brought onto the I, team. I was there's ask there's you one about in that. particular Han being a chameleon and being able to blend in anywhere. Does that ever come into play? When no. they're like, we need a team, and he's like, I need someone who's a chameleon who can blend in anywhere and they show Han. And I was like thinking, oh, is he going to be like a disguise expert or something? I don't remember him blending in too much. I mean, he's not, he's not like, he's not the loudest. So maybe he blends in more than, you know, than than say uh, uh, Roman does. But, you know, I I thought that was just kind of a funny thing. Like they never really paid off the idea that he was a chameleon. They love this, this series loves the cliche profiles on the computer with the faces. (laughs) They love it. You mean, uh, was it Wonder Woman finding the Justice League on the yeah. computer? <laughs> yeah. 
They love that, man. They love doing that. Someone shit. described that sequence in uh, Batman versus Superman as a, a moment where the movie stops and you get trailers for five upcoming DC yeah. Yeah, universe films. Straight on. Yes, yes, yes. But um, no, I think that that aspect of it was kind of fun. Even though, again, mm-hmm. also Roman, we need a fast talker. It's like, okay, does that really? Uh, it, a, there's a later film where yeah. his. He's obviously talk- never been involved in a, a big uh, <laughs> right. heist uh, thing. I know that when job. you're doing anything with like. Souped up cars. Mm-hmm. You need someone who's a chameleon. <laughs> you need someone who's Obviously. a fast talker. Obviously, you need you need that voice to be like uh, for, for when like, we go for our big heist. Yeah, when something happens, you need somebody. You, he's the voice of the audience. It's like bullets on a tank. Yeah, yeah. what's it's going bull- on? <laughs> cars falling. You, he's yeah. he's what everybody's thinking. He's in saying the what you're what you're yeah. thinking. It's yeah. it's weird. But yeah. he does it constantly. And he's he's good at it. He, he works in the series. For yeah. Sure. Well, you know, he's gotten in trouble in real life for like some of the shit he said on his Twitter feed. Oh, totally. Sort of like policing women's bodies oh and things yeah. they, they wear. And, yeah. And it's like, so it makes his weirdness about women in the movies that much weirder. Like throughout <laughs> the movies, he's been like really concerned when one of his friends, like in the in in two, too fast, too furious. Mm-hmm. He was really concerned about whether. Uh, whether Brian's head was being turned by by Eva Mendez, right, you know, yeah. he was saying, "Man, you're in danger." And it was kind of funny, but it would be like in the middle of them negotiating with the drug dealers, he'd be like, "Man, you can't do this, man. What are yeah. you saying?" But um, in in this movie, there's one thing, like maybe the creepiest thing he says because it's like, I don't, is this a written line or is this Tyrese's, you know, idea? Mm-hmm. The scene where they're finding out about the mission, and um, he's like ready to bail on it. He's like ready to walk away, and then someone mentions the. Hundred million dollars yeah. that they'll be dividing up, and then someone says that your cut would be eleven million, and what Roman says is eleven million sounds like a whole lot of vaginal activity to me. <laughs> wow, <laughs> gross! I don't remember that. Oh, That's that. horrible. Ooh. Wow, <laughs> I need to rewatch that part. But um, this is alongside the them doing yeah. things like giving Mia more to do, and yeah. this one introduced. Um, Back into the mix, uh, 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 Giselle. So in four, she was a, a, a foe Giselle. that turns out to be a little helpful, and in this one, she's just kind of part of the team. You know, just that idea of kind of bringing the group together and mm. then sort of showing. This is the first one with the Rock, right? Yes. He's a good person to bring in for just totally. like a boss battle, sort of with uh, with Dom, and um, you know that's worth talking about too. Those guys supposedly not a lot of love lost. Between what team those are you guys, guys on? Team Dom or Team Hobbs? Team Hobbs, man. I gotta go Team Hobbs. I gotta when go he, team when Hobbs he has too. that scene, wow, The Rock just won us all over. Big fucking machine. I also just like love The Rock. Yeah, I, I think there's something. He's magical. He has to... like he's not gonna hurt. Like if you're gonna bring him into, especially this type of movie, yeah, he's not gonna hurt. Totally right. right. There's oh, very few things that he great decision wouldn't that he wouldn't make better. And unlike some people that you like to see kind of brought into something like this, I think he has the power to sort of be brought in in a way. That sort of protects his brand too. Yeah. Definitely. And I think maybe that might be where this is just my theory. Maybe where some of the conflict between Vin Diesel oh, and, and Dwayne Johnson comes from is that. like two brands yeah. crashing. Vin Diesel The Rock is what Vin Diesel probably wants to be. Totally. Or should have been. I, I think you're right. Trajectory you. wise. And then and then He, he looks he, in the mirror and he sees the Rock. Right. Yeah. And then on top of that is this very simple idea. And anybody that watched wrestling kind of saw it. The idea that, like, for someone as big as he is, as handsome as he is, he should not be that funny. He should not be that good at acting. He should not be able to move He should move not be like that, that humble. Yeah. He should not be able to move like that, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. And all these things equal what 
kind of is one of the scariest combinations of a human being. We need to do an episode about just The Rock. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, I'm man. serious. I had a conversation uh, with a coworker last week about just his trajectory yeah. and like what he's got. Like literally like yeah. 10 movies in production right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Like insane. Branding like somebody is doing something right in Camp Rock. Yeah. Because he, it's insane what he has going on. So like, for example, like somebody showed The Rock a picture of himself with that like pouch the yeah way, yeah and he laughed right yeah, if yeah. you showed vin diesel that he would fucking be furious so so do you know would he have been fast to be furious <laughs> <laughs> he would be very fast um, to be furious he's very fast to get furious ha- yes. have you just that context of what you just said the did you read like the week of opening that there was an interview with one of the producers who said that there was actually he had i forget which one it is but he had shot or commissioned to shoot with like the second unit, like a like a stinger scene for the film, like I think not... it was supposedly shot. Yeah. Okay. Then it was shot. Okay. Of of having to do with uh, Jason Statham and The Rock, um, those two characters, because of how greatly they play together in in the most recent film. In fucking. Okay. Terrible. So that... setting up a spinoff with those two characters, which is supposedly what they want to do, and that right, happened, right? Okay. Well, apparently, like Vin Diesel killed the idea when <laughs> yeah, he heard that. when he heard that because he's also a producer on the film. Oh no. And, and when he heard that happened, oh, no. he was like. Fuck that. <laughs> they are not going to be the stinger of this movie. No. Like, they're not the franchise. I love that. Vin idea Diesel's for... the franchise. Yeah. So, what do you think of that, though? You love the idea of him squashing it? Yes. Come on. Come on. Like, I don't. He's been there forever. <laughs> about to... <laughs> I love the idea of that. But, but if, what... if anyone listened last week, they know that Ronald had some accidents had with an the accident. water. And now we're watching Ronald's gesticulations. He smacked very the carefully. shit out of a cup by mistake. <laughs> But but I was gonna say, um, yeah, that's there's something super funny about that. Like, it's funny, but man, it's gonna be the reason why if ever this franchise fails, oh, like it's yeah. that kind of ego. Yeah. Like as much as they embrace, so not to not to sidestep a little bit, but as much as they embrace like the mythology of this franchise mm-hmm. and like how they don't leave these characters out to dry, like they bring people in. One of the best things about the series, in my opinion, is that anybody could enter the series at any time and really watch that movie without feeling like they're lost, in yeah. my opinion, mm-hmm. especially from five on. Even if you bring in the weird timeline of where Tokyo Drift takes place, they've done a great job of making them enough of a film that you could just enter at any time and then find the rest of the series. Right, you wouldn't right. be hurting because they reference everything so much they don't let you forget. The and other they show movies. flashbacks like Flashbacks, crazy. all this good stuff. Yeah. But, the, but that kind of mentality of saying... Like, I embrace all that. I'm Vin Diesel. I'm the producer. I'm the star. And then, you know, and also referencing the on-screen or on-set stuff that you talked about, like, between Vin yeah. Diesel and The Rock. Apparently, that's all squashed at this point, yeah. by the way. Yes. Mm-hmm. But that kind of approach to a series that's so embracing of all of the characters yeah. and, like, con- like, like, encouraging characters to take moments in the film yeah yeah. well the like, fact that the, that the, just seems so dumb to me that the third movie is itself it. kind of a spinoff anyway totally that you could totally do a spinoff with those characters and and not damage the thread of at the all. overall yeah. movies at all or at you all. could in, you could ensure that if there is a a few years here or there where they can't get another entry in this like if they are planning on doing a, a 9 a 10 and 11 whatever yeah. there'll probably be a few years where they you know what I mean they won't be able yeah. to get the all the players together and then yeah, that means you can do a what uh, like Avengers, and, yeah, and could, that's it. That's exactly yeah. what I was that's gonna it. say. Vin Diesel needs to realize that this could be an amazing opportunity for him because he could be the thread yeah. that brings them together every time. Because The Rock can do what he does, and that could be a part where like he can't do something, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know Dom's character comes through and and is the person that he is. 
and has been for the whole franchise. Yeah. I think he should embrace it. From a business standpoint, From it seems like a really story line, it, it yeah. seems like a really bad decision to act like that. I mean, I'm, I just, like I'm just this dude. Like, I don't know. Like, these are movie stars and they're businessmen, yeah. but. It almost seems like a reverse opportunity to have now this franchise set up to be an Avengers type thing where, you know, you let Hobbs and Shaw have a film and, you know, that film happens or you let this person from the series that if there becomes a character that could have their own film Mm -hmm. where like instead of having to have a Fast and the Furious movie every year, Mm -hmm. you could have a Fast and the Furious movie every third year. But the films in between are still a part of this like mythology in this universe like all that's doing is strengthening uh, strengthening your branding yeah. for part nine, yeah. for part ten, or whenever they happen. Like that just seems like if I was a producer, and maybe the producers feel this way, it's just maybe Vin Diesel that doesn't. It's like, what more could you ask for that in the eighth film of the series, you're giving characters that you could have spinoffs mm-hmm. that would allow you to come back to the series, yeah. and you know, it's like. And Dom, just, Dom could show up every once totally, in a while. He could be like totally. Samuel Jackson. He could be like, hey, you guys got to... And then leave. I think he's probably just pressured that maybe The Rock's taking the series over. Yeah, well, I mean, Because he is. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> well, I mean, like, wouldn't you? If it was like... That'd be like if... Uh, I would cut him if off. If The Rock you moved into your house, wouldn't you be worried he was taking your marriage over? <laughs> you know, it's like... Yeah. I mean, I'm just I, saying I get, he's that I get guy. It. Yeah. I get it. I totally yeah. get it. Because I, I, in every way that he But I agree with earlier, you that in the long run, it has has to be about the the I mean again not that it's like this amazing narrative bed but like it has to be about the stories it has to be about the possibilities it can't be about one character totally the yeah. fact that Dom has kind of become the main character and especially now that Paul Walker has passed on like the fact that there is no one else in the series that really touches his importance yeah. sure totally um I think that that is uh yeah, something that Vin Diesel probably has to live with. But I know what you were responding to when you said, yeah, was it, it is like it, it is sort of his thing in yeah. a lot of ways. So it, it makes sense that he would try to protect it. But it seems odd that he wouldn't understand that in the long run, it's like it makes him look better. It makes them all more money. It, ma- it in- increases the longevity of the thing. It yeah. also makes you look insecure. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, yeah. it does. Like, And I'm sure he feels insecure because I I mean, honestly, think... outside of this franchise, mm-hmm. he doesn't have anything. He doesn't. You look at The Rock, what he's got outside of Fast and Furious. Oh, this is one of many. Yeah, mm-hmm. Which, and he whatever. doesn't have to. I don't feel like his, The Rock being as great as he is in his movies, Jason Statham being as good as he is in his movies, still doesn't step on his toes. He has a I different. Agree. He has a different thing. It's mm-hmm. different, totally different. It's I a different thing. You know what I mean? Like he's he's not picking people up over his head and tossing them, but he's doing something kind of his own brand of badass. He kind of gets to do a little bit of everything but still being like super powered to the max where the spin-off characters or like this the the secondary characters they all kind of like have a thing that you kind of are looking at them for like yeah. you know the rock has this overpowering brute force and like even like the Shaw brothers have more of like this uh more like contained martial arts kind of thing yeah. going for them so but Vin has like a little bit of like everything because he gets to have a little bit of everything. <laughs> this is also the movie where we find out that Brian and Mia are going to have a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a scene where Dom's talking about splitting up and he's talking about Mia coming with him and, and you know, I guess leaving Brian to twist in the wind. Mm-hmm. And then he finds out 
that they're pregnant. And it's just something that's funny to me about the way that it's like, then it's a shot of Vin Diesel's face and he says, my family's just gotten bigger. And he's giving them a big hug. That's what I was saying before about like, it's such the Dom Toretto show that when someone else is pregnant yeah, yeah. and having a kid, it's, about it's really him. about him and his, his <laughs> yeah. family's gotten bigger. Um, that's true. But that's also this the movie where he does the toast and says, mi familia. That's when they were like, we're hitting this hard. This family thing is... Yeah. You know, characters start saying it just in general. Like, I don't know if there's a count, if they have a specific count <laughs> of how many times they say it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. But it is like every, every 15, 20 minutes, someone brings up family or brings up that a, a family member wouldn't do that to another family member or whatever. Yeah. And I do think that is like... That looks like it's a theme in Guardians 2, which yeah. by this time, and for, for listeners, we will have already talked about it, yeah. but we haven't seen it yet. But even in the trailers, there's like a mention of we're not friends, we're family. I think that that is a... That is something that is, maybe it comes naturally to you when you're writing this kind of story where you've got a group of characters who are kind of thrown together. Right. Once you've had enough sort of adventures or enough of an idea that they're kind of, they can't get away from each other, it's like that is a, a nice narrative thing to hit. Because right. I do think that it's a, you know, in, in the world today, people's sort of adopted families or their work families or their, their families in the city they end up living in, the people that they sort of choose, those people end up being as important or more important totally. in your in your life, you yeah. know? The uh, the shift from, like, all of the street racing, I think, like, they're, like, not having any street racing <laughs> at all in this film. Like, you know, we keep talking about the going to this, like, one last heist or, like, mm-hmm. you know, how they're kind of being embraced by, you know, the... the uh, whatever the police and they're like helping them, you know, or the national guard, whatever the hell they work for. Um, I, I think that the last, the last scene, the last chase scene when they rip the bank vault out mm-hmm. is probably one of the, uh, it's one of my favorite of the series. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's kind of like you watch it and you believe like, there's no way that that's possible, Yeah, but it's done well enough that, it like it's like almost like it doesn't matter. It looks fucking awesome. Yeah. Like I think that at that point in the series, for me at least, that scene in this series is where it's like, okay, they pivoted. These are the kind of chase. These are the kind of big set pieces that we're getting because it really is like a really, in my opinion, a really great action movie. And it, it's like that's the package that you're gonna look for in every film to follow. Yeah. You'll have that one massive scene at the end that you know is no way possible, mm-hmm. but we're gonna do our best to make you believe it yeah. that you're watching it on the screen. And yeah. like I I think the final scene like going down the high you know excuse me where they're pulling the tank or the safe down the highway across the bridge and everything like that is um you know and kind of how it works like how like Han comes up in the cop car mm-hmm. like that's the yeah. undetected part like he's just in a cop uniform in <laughs> yeah. a cop car. Um it's like I, I guess you're right that's the one nod yeah, to it. Yeah. I yeah I, I love that chase scene. I think it's really, and that's also a marks a point where I think Justin Lin really kind of embraced where it was going, mm-hmm. and like, and you know, in six, in following up in six, like I think that's where it kind of peaks, for, you know, it kind of reaches like a paramount point for him, yeah, with one of the action scenes in that part in uh, part six too. Maybe that's also what kind of draws people in the practical aspect of. Well, they the always make it a stuff? point, like when they release these movies, that yeah. there's always these like promo reels that come out or like spots. Where they where they make it a point to show what was real, right. and they started that with that opening sequence in. Um, well, they kind of harken back to it with the opening sequence in Tokyo Drift, like mm. the one I mentioned last yeah, episode yeah. that was practical. But like they've done it for most of the films that following that, when when Vin Diesel came back to the series, 
Um, kind of like you know when they showed them dropping the cars out of the ceil- out of the ceiling, out of the helicopter or the plane, mm. you know, in the later series or this one where they where the, some of the cars drive out of a, out of a garage. Mm-hmm. Like are, they they make these reels for that reason, like to show like it looks crazy and a it lot does. of it's not real, right. but there's a lot that's real still. Yeah, and like they've gotten to the point with this franchise where they can have a production budget of 150 200 million dollars because these movies make a billion dollars in three weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that they can do that, and I agree with you. Like I think that that's cool. That even though I and and just to come back to that scene at the end of Fast Five, that's kind of where I felt that like because things started getting built into it. Like even a little bit in Fast and Furious, like with the gas tanker heist. Yeah. Like where it wasn't just about cars, you know. Like there were these other things being brought into it. Like mm-hmm. then you get the plane and you get the submarine. But in this one, it's just like there, there's this element that they're using their cars. Yeah, it's a big And that's what I was saying in the last episode. Like, the car just becomes like their tool. Mm-hmm. You know, like their go to thing of how they're able to pull all these heists or all these jobs off or these missions at this point. But I just love how they make it a point then, even with that one, you can look at it on YouTube. Like, they have footage of them like hauling a big fucking safe across yeah. the streets yeah. and they shoot on location and they're doing this in Rio de Janeiro. Like, mm-hmm. it's amazing yeah, looks, that they do this good. shit. And, um,. I don't know. I think that's where it kind of stepped up a little for me in terms of like, oh, these are the kind of movies they are. Oh, like every movie's going to have this amazing action sequence at the end that is going to look crazy and impossible and not realistic, but you're going to believe it enough because they're trying to do their best to make it look impressive. Well, I mean, it's like that's where a lot of the the focus on being inventive as far as that stuff is. totally. And also the focus on kind of drawing out the anticipation of what the thing that they're doing is going to be and how it's going to go wrong. But you're right. It does kind of become like a set piece That'll be like the whole last third of the movie, totally. or a middle chunk, right. but it'll be like yeah. a long sequence that is that is just an action scene that keeps escalating. Totally. Here we go. So on to Fast and the Furious Six, which I'm gonna say feels like a lazy title at this point when you've had Fast <laughs> Five and Fast and Furious, and you've you had Tokyo Drift. Like- cool yeah. way to work the number i guess none of the numbers could replace vowels right yeah in it or whatever but uh this is also directed by justin lynn and written by chris morgan there's a little bit of a bald guy f- uh, fake out at the beginning of this because hobbs has a guy mm. that he's about to go question and we don't really think that it's dom but there's a split second where they try to make you think that he's about to question dom and it's some other bald guy who is like an introduction he's got a british accent and he's an introduction to this new british gang there's an ethnicity we haven't exploited yet in these films, <laughs> but um, but it's Shaw, uh, Owen Shaw, right? Who, as a villain, I thought had a didn't have as much to do as as like Jason Statham does in the next film. But I do think Luke Evans is. I mean, as an actor, I've just started to really like me too. Him, he's reliable. He brings something to this role, and it didn't occur to me until maybe midway into the movie that what they were doing was positioning Shaw as a kind of anti-dom. Right. Like he mm. refers to it as his team. When somebody dies, he's all like, Well, if he died, that must mean he made a mistake. You know, and Letty is sort of with him at yeah. that point. She's got amnesia, but she's with him and she can tell this doesn't sit right. It was just a I mean, it's again, it's a pretty simple idea, but I like the idea that they got that across that here's a team that represents sort of the bizarro world version of our of our heroes. Right. And it also 
positions that moral issue that I was talking about about what are we really rooting for them to do? Are they committing crimes? Are they saving the day? Are they stopping mm. the bad guy? What's really important? Um, I think that it it muddies that that water even more by saying here's another team of essentially the same thing that we don't like them as well yeah. because they don't have the family bonds that our our guys do. I just think that's kind of an interesting thing. It makes the whole family thing text. Even the, the voice of logic, the voice of the people, Roman. Yeah. yeah. Points out that they look exactly like. Oh, that, that's right. He says that they kind of look like a bootleg version of them. It pointed <laughs> out who who is who on on the other side. I was gonna to circle back for one quick second. We didn't mention the the stinger scene in Fast Five where Eva Mendez's character comes oh, yes. up to Hobbs and shows the file on Letty, who we thought was dead. Yeah, yeah. Right, like right. to go in the whole point of like what draws that part of what draws Dom and the team to Owen Shaw is the fact that. Like you mentioned, yeah. that Letty is working Letty with him, so that, that's the connective tissue there. And also, that sets up the idea that it, that the stinger scene is really being used to directly set up what the next film exactly. is going to be. Do you think the, uh, that weird poster that leaked that thing Tyrese put up is really going to happen? Matt Damon? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a joke. Man. You saw that? That like Tyrese posted this thing on social media. It was like. For like Fast Nine or something, yeah, and it was like as Matt Damon, Matt Damon's like as like I don't know the villain or the Somebody. I don't know something. So what do you think? This happens uh, on television shows that last a long time too, where villains become friends. Like oh right, right. the villain from right. one season, if they're still around the next season, they become a friend. There's a greater foe. Yeah, I mean I feel like that takes a little bit of the drama out of what it means to be a villain to some extent. But I do think that for instance, The Rock being brought in as kind of a heavy in Fast yeah. Five, and this one he's more. Of a, of a helper. He's more right. of a compatriot to them. I think there's something to be... Like, I understand why the actors would want that to happen. Yeah. But from a storytelling standpoint, I don't know that it always works for me to say that people who were trying to, to jail or kill each other are now one just of them, simpatico. One of them didn't work for me. And I guess I guess I don't want to... You're not spoiling anything, right? Yeah, I don't want to say... Yeah. One of them doesn't work for me. Only because... Talking about something going into the eighth yeah, film? So I have a, so I have a, a theory about that. I think you can be friends with somebody as long as they don't murder somebody in your group. Yeah. That's my that's my rule. What happened to the guys at the end of five we saw the two guys who apparently bet and lost all their money? Did they come back ever? There were like two guys that were in the in the crew in five. You're talking about the two um are they like South American? Or? I guess so, yeah. Yeah. They're yeah, like partners they, and they're constantly kind of ribbing back and forth. Braga. They he, come back. He not, comes not, back. Not Braga. I'm talking about the, Bra- the members of the team. Braga was a bad guy. Braga was John Ortiz. Like he's the bad dude. Yeah, they come back. Okay. Yeah, the, come the back. Two... Are they an eight then? Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They do, they do come back. Because I wondered, I'm, like, I'm they, so sorry. they were I'm... in the they were in the opening credits of six, but they weren't in six. I don't think. Not Braga. Te- the guy's name is Tego in real life. Yeah. He's like a reggaeton uh, artist. Okay. Likeable characters. Yeah, likeable, but also I thought it was strange that they were in the opening credits of the next movie, but they weren't in the movie, I guess. Mm. I don't think they're in six. I don't think they are either, but I know that in the opening when it's like, it's sort of an opening credits that sort of also is a flashback that kind of catches you up with the last movie. Right. Like you see them at at the roulette table. You're right. I mean, I... Yeah, but he's not. But they're not yeah, in the movie. Not, not in it. Because yeah. Yeah, I was expecting there to be lots of jokes at their expense about how they 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 yeah, broke yeah, and they're yeah, like yeah. mum and money or something. Mm. Instead, they make a joke about Tyrese who is has eleven million dollars still borrowing money. Right. <laughs> Old Tyrese. Uh, 
And then he says that's how he's that's how you get to be a billionaire or something is by you know never spending your money. Um, anyway, so yeah, six. I, I feel like the the storyline of this one didn't stick in my mind as much. It kind of felt like this was like all the pieces are in play. They've kind of hit this new model. They've got this group that's sort of a, a shadow version of our group that they're going up against. I guess the Letty plotline is yeah. the real meat of this one. Um, what do you guys think of that, bringing her back? Do you think they did a good job of, of tying it in, or do you do you think it felt like sort of a, a retcon where they, they had to kind of do a fancy fancy trick with writing it so that it made sense that she was alive? I don't know what the end game in it was, but like this was the point where I felt like Letty, I wasn't sure about her value in the series after a while because of that. But I kind of like the idea of the amnesia. This is like the amnesia stages, right? She's not She's not yeah. remembered anything yeah. yet. But I, she's she's with Luke Evans' group, and they are kind of pr- preying on the fact that she's got right. this lack of yeah. memory. Which, but there's a point where they pull up a picture of her and Dom together, yeah, and they show it cool. to her, and she doesn't... She seems to not remember. At the time, right. I thought maybe she was faking, but I think she actually didn't remember yeah. until later. But it does give them a, another excuse to do this, like, remember yeah. family. Yeah. There's, like, constant reminders, and every time he sees her, he says something to her about it. Well, she think... shoots him. <laughs> she does. Uh, and he's like doesn't like getting shot, right? No, no, that's true. There's one thing. You know, hey, there's one thing I know about him from one don't of the earlier films. <laughs> don't fucking shoot me. Hey guys, you can do whatever you want, but personally, I'm not a fan of getting shot. <laughs> I am furious. <laughs> I don't like getting shot. I don't like being shot. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't do either one. Don't do it. Well, she tells him that she missed his heart, and he's like, "I think you, I think you got the spot you were trying." But it's, I always felt like that was a great like. Uh, friend zoning kind of like an extreme version of that it's like no I tried to kill you he's like I don't think you were trying to kill me I think you were just trying to wound me come on you love me this movie also has a hilarious scene between Hobbs and Dom at the end where they are voicing their appreciation for each other mm-hmm. but they're too manly to to actually look at each other while they're saying nice things to each other and so it's as though they're like standing as, as imagine if you're like facing somebody mm-hmm and then you both like you take a step to to your left and then they take a step to their left so you are now facing in the direction past the other person yeah, and they're standing like this yeah we're like they're standing like kind of shoulder to shoulder yeah. but not really facing each other yeah. as they look off into their respective distances and mm. say things that are appreciative about each other you know he says um he says not bad for a cop and then he says i never thought i'd trust a criminal you know, but so it's like their one moment of like warmth. And I, They're and, working up to it, John. But also knowing that those actors don't really like each other, yeah. I wondered if moments like that are like easy for them to play, like yeah, as ridiculous yeah. as it is, because it's like, oh, good, I don't have to look at Vin Diesel's stupid fucking face while I'm yeah. saying this. Oh, I don't have to look at The Rock. He's, you know, like his beautiful, yeah, his beautiful body and face, <laughs> body, his and, body. Yes, it's crazy. It's very funny to me that in this type of movie, not just this series, but in any kind of macho movie where there's bonding. Most male friendships are boiled down to like, now you owe me one. I don't really have that many male friends that I'm like pointedly competitive and like harsh with. Maybe I'm just missing. You out also on don't race cars. That interaction. That's true. I don't yeah. race cars. <laughs> I live my life not a quarter mile at a time, more like maybe three or four footsteps at a time. It's hard to know. It's hard to know what time span we're talking about. <laughs> Depends on the day of the week. But I do most of my traversing on foot or near the speed limit. There's only one person I'm like that with, mm-hmm. and it's, it is the cruelest form of competition. 
Like he laughs at me when I fail. Yeah. And my cousin, my. But but that that's different. It's like a real like I. Does he really laugh at you when you fail, or is he laughing? Oh. Because it's like I can think of people who I would like if I saw you fail, I would laugh. But I would be laughing with your failure, not laughing. You know, he like he loves to see you fail. Like the pain in my face. He's a real big fan of that. Like, but you know, it's it's in. But he still loves you. Yeah. And so he yeah. loved it. Okay. I still feel like there's some element in that there's of loving love, what you're going through. Yeah. Like, it's, I'd, I'd, it's like, for instance, it's like, if I'm going to see my cousin up on stage, I'd rather see him eat it or have a great night. I wouldn't yeah. want to see something in between. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, maybe it's more exciting to watch you fail than to just to watch an average night. <laughs> just go yeah. to the extreme. It's yeah. not even whatever kills you, make you makes you strongest. Whatever almost kills you makes it a source of it's like a deep don't doesn't care that like the tea it could be tea he's like i this is fucking amazing yep. your face yeah when she came and just laughed at, it's like yeah. he loves that shit right man. as these movies ramp up the the set pieces and stuff and they kind mm. of i can't remember what was the big set piece in six that plane the takeoff on the plane oh that, that's right the runway yeah I was when I was thinking that was plane, like thirty miles. Yeah, long. right, right, right. Yes, the 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 run. I, I knew there was something yeah. that runway that if you do the math, it's like a ridiculous. <laughs> I read it like Vox or some yeah. one of them. Vulture did an article where like they calculated it was like twenty eight point two miles long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they would have went into the water. They would have been fighting underwater at that point. That's a great example though of if that's gonna bother you. Right. A part of me wants to say, well, fuck you then. I guess a twenty two mile runway is ridiculous. But this is the franchise we're in at this point. Like, there's a scene in one of the earlier films where a car blows up, and I thought to myself, there was so much nausea in that car when it blew up that it blew up three different times from three different angles, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think that it's that type of filmmaking. Totally. So it's like if you're going to stretch out those moments and you're going to have not just someone reaching over and hitting a switch, but reaching over and being and having to fight to get back to that switch five times before they can hit it, I think you can sort of accept that that's... That's creative lengthening of time. It's yeah. like you're yeah. delving in, but it's it, if you're actually, you know, dinging the movie for that, for that, then yeah. you just you're never going to enjoy this type of movie. Driveway, cash in the driver door, spin it, do it my way. Put you like a matador, fresh out the catalog. One far we all fall, crew like dominoes. They would chase by my notes on my dogs. Now we're on the Furious 7. Yes, the Furious 7, which. <laughs> but this is a, a director change from Justin Lin to James Wan. It was a really nice looking movie, and there's some parts that are just really well shot and really well structured. What Did you guys feel like you saw anything of James Wan's other work in this? Or do you think that it's no. just the kind of franchise that. You, you step in, you're going to kind of get swallowed up by the franchise. Totally. totally. Yeah, I don't think any of his, any, like, what we kind of, no. kind of, uh, associate, associate him with. Like, which is why I'm kind of curious, like, what he has to do in Aquaman mm-hmm. like, when that comes up. Right. But, like, it is that thing, like, where, you know, you're, you're bringing in a director who does have, like, a really good eye. You know, like, visually, his films are pretty consistently, mm-hmm. like, impressive. And there are a lot of things, well, I mean, honestly, like, so there's a the the unfortunate unique piece with Fury Seven is just that you know it's dealing with the idea that Paul Walker passed away in real life, mm. 
during production of the movie. I think what I was noticing was that they were spreading whatever footage they had of him out. They did, mm. yeah. And, and like not so much that I was noticing the moments when he was like digitally replaced or something, because I think a lot of those moments were moments where there may have been some digital stunt work anyway. If, yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, did you feel like you were... I mean, outside of watching it, knowing that's the case, and there's being some moments that felt kind of strange, Did you did you feel like that... I mean, beyond it just looming over your head as you watch the movie, do you think that really affected the quality of the movie? I don't. Yeah. I mean, I actually think they did a really good job with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's not much, there's there's not a lot of precedent for it. At that point, there wasn't. Um, but it's also like a really unique thing that like one of his brothers like looked a lot like him. Mm-hmm. Like that's so weird that like they would shoot pickups and like have his brother and digitally put his face on him. That mm-hmm. is weird. There's a whole conversation about that that's uh, probably a good talking point. But like, I actually thought they handled it really well. Not just the story arc for Brian's character with this film, but like confronted with like where they were in production when it happened and having to, you know, rework parts of the story and, you know, that still would fit into whatever their trajectory was for eight, nine and ten. Yeah. Um, to I'm sure, like you said, make great use of what footage they had mm-hmm. and minimize what footage they had to shoot after the fact, you know, using his brother for um or the stunt man for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like overall I felt, I remember when I saw it in theaters feeling pretty impressed by it, even, even going in, like being somebody who already was like looking for stuff. Yeah. You know, I feel like most people that I knew that saw it didn't really, maybe didn't even notice it. Yeah. You know, most, most like, I guess the average moviegoer. You can kind of, thinking about it, you can tell like in the scenes when they're watching them on the beach, when they're watching Mia and, um. And Brian and their and their son playing on the beach. There is this, like a few moments where he kind of has his head turned in, or he's lifting yeah. the kid up, and, he, yeah. and I feel like, but that might have been his brother with is, a little yeah. bit of prosthetics or whatever they would have done. Yeah. But it's like that part. I felt like they did a good job of making it work because it, the whole premise of them saying goodbye to him, it worked within the context of the movie. It's a little too maudlin. Those characters seem much more like they're saying a eulogy for somebody who's gone than they're saying this person is quitting the team. You yeah. Know? yeah. But I think that given that they had that challenge of how to have a movie that pays honor to this actor without necessarily, I, I don't know, being too much of a downer. Like I think in the end, deciding to have that character leave the life was very meaningful, you know. And I, I don't know, I just think it was a smart choice not to kill him, even though throughout the movie there's so many points where they more. could have yeah. killed him in a dramatic way. Right. But what really got me, honestly, the shot of them driving next to each other and then their lives go Forking off in two off. different yeah. paths. You I mean, mean shit, man. side shot where his head was turned a little too far? Yeah, he's like, that's God. weird. No, that was weird. I was like, what is but happening? I'm just, but, but just the overhead shot, the oh, aerial yeah, shot, where you see them together and then they go off in the different directions. I was like, that kind of visual symbolism really gets yeah. me sometimes. And I think about that, how it's like, when you're leaving a life or you're leaving a town or you're leaving a thing, there's that moment where everything's just like it used to be. Maybe you have that friend, like it's, maybe you're leaving your hometown and there's a friend who's going to drive with you halfway. There's a friend who's going to go with you to the uh, airport, to, to the to the airport or maybe for the first weekend or even yeah. go and spend some days with you. But there still comes that moment where the decision is real and you go one way and someone goes another way. And I thought that was actually very, very moving. Oh, sad, man. With and it's like, I was not song? expecting that. I really was not yeah. expecting that. They man, they they set that up in a way that was really I I teared up, man. I, I liked how full dressed Dom is. was at the beach too. That tickled me. He's wearing like 
It's like, like almost white... like it was a funeral. Yeah, no, it yeah. really was. Yeah. It, oh god. And man. and they did a good job of of threading that needle without it seeming like, well, this is too much. It was a little too much, but it felt satisfying. And, and then yeah. the montage of clips. But when is that series ever shied away from something being too a little too yeah, much? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty <laughs> consistent. Well, uh, speaking of which, my favorite action sequence in the whole franchise is the parachuting amazing cars coming down the mountain and then that just keeps going and keeps going i love the momentum of of that scene it's the most ridiculous maybe but it is also one of the coolest even when the in the skydiving cars it's like of course these people have to (laughs) skydive in cars you know dude that's one example you should if you haven't seen the youtube video of like how they make these reels of the practical Mm, like they uh literally are they were they 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 did that like they dropped cars out of hell uh out of airplanes and like filmed stunt guys in them going down, like, you know, all the way to, like, I forget what the, the height was where they had to get out of it, but just to kind of show how far they could come down with, like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the footage of, like, yeah. what they're looking out and seeing, God. like, showing it get really close to, you know, Because I know the they ground. had the cameras on the, you yeah, could see. On the, oh, on the God, divers, was, yeah. God, that was... No, that scene is amazing. Like it that, is. That, that That's probably one of the other two or three that would be in my top three. Seven is a... Uh, Seven is really just so tragic because of the Paul Walker stuff. Like yeah. it, it's like, what a horrible thing for James Wan to come into to take over a franchise, you know, and be at the basically at the peak of its success, you know. And I think that one probably will go down as being still the most successful one ever because of the Paul Walker stuff, yeah. unfortunately. But like to come into a franchise like that's like his first huge film he's made, and to be saddled with that kind of you know challenge of reworking a movie still putting out a product that was commercially and critically well received that fans loved that the actors really appreciated i'm sure like john was saying being able to say bye to a friend uh through a film but i really love you mentioned earlier i loved i was really scared that they would kill the character Mm -hmm. i love the idea that like it's so cheesy but like that that character's alive somewhere in that universe yeah Yeah. that's fucking great and like and we've talked about it, which even prompted this series to do the, these two episodes. Like, I'm a fan of these series, and it's because of that kind of decision. And, like, as cheesy as you may say it is, or somebody might see it as being, like, the idea of that character and an untimely death and, like, a character that that actor's, like, that's what he's known for. That in the series, however long they go, they can always refer to Brian. And, and they and, did. And they do even, you know. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, I love the idea of that. And, like, uh... And like you mentioned the Wiz song and like oh, it's like that that was like in a tragedy. That movie, the song, the commercial and critical success of it, like it was the I I believe it was like the best possible scenario for mm-hmm. like what they could have done with that film. You're right. It really was. It, it is the best case. I mean, there's there's I couldn't have thought of a way that they could have I mean, as commercially successful as it is you know, you'll say it's like, you know, it's capitalizing on, unfortunately, somebody passing away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just a series that that actor was really involved with and probably was like, you know, his pride and glory of, I'm assuming, of like his acting career, you mm-hmm. know, and probably fostered many of the friendships that he had in his life at that point. It's really sad. Like I remember, I remember being at a Thanksgiving especially how dinner. he died, especially how he died in well, relation to these films in the last series, yeah. in the last episode when you were alluding to it. Like it's, it's insane. Like it I remember like being at a Thanksgiving dinner when it happened and hearing about it, and being like, "What? No, yeah. no, that, like that's what he does in the movies. Like I know mm-hmm. he's into cars. But that's no." And then it was like, "Wow, 
I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. Not to be like somber, like yeah. no, no, no. But it's like it's it insane. Is, how it is that's really it tragic is. The, the and light really art connection, like, really gruesome weird. in that sense. But also, yes, that it's exactly what they're yeah. doing in these films. Yeah. You know, um, it's wild. But it I, I, you know, to circle it around, like I, I, like it's one of my favorite of the series, mm-hmm. and I think like whether it's the action piece that John's <clears throat> talking about, which is one of the best ones in that plane. Um, or just the technical achievement that I th- that I believe that they pulled off in trying to make it as as pretty as seamless as possible, you know, mm-hmm. um, and benefiting from a brother who looked a lot like him, and the family kind of giving the blessing to do this and to kind of that that's what they believed he would have wanted. That kind of conversation. Um, not to mention again, like you look at the series and it's bringing back all these characters. Some of it's obviously to tie in, like to this send off for Paul Walker's character. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, bringing back like you know, um, Lucas Black is in this one. Mm-hmm. Like so many characters are brought back into this film just to kind of have like that that family thing going on, and and it ties up the the timeline exactly. Finally. Like it, it, it makes brings, all that it brings stuff. the timeline up to date and yeah. puts uh, it in puts it in order sort of. Yes, yeah, so I don't know. I think it's just a really I, it's one of my favorites for sure. It's also the movie where. Um, uh, where Hobbs says, I'm going to put a hurt on him so bad, he's going to wish his mama had kept her legs closed. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, Arnold would have paid big money for that line in yeah. the 80s. Yes. Let's be honest, really. So we haven't talked about in any of these films the sort of ongoing Corona uh, you know, product placement, but no. the, the fact that Dom wants to drink Corona, since the first film, that's been like his cruise brew. Right. And in this one, there's like a back and forth between Dom and um, I don't know his name, Mister Nobody, mm-hmm. the the Kurt Russell character, who ha- likes has a they're brewing Belgian ale in the in their like tactical center or whatever. And uh, anyway, I just think it's funny that like they're so unabashed about it because he he offers Dom some of the Belgian ale, and then Dom says, "Actually, I prefer Corona," and he just reaches back and pulls up a bucket. <laughs> With bottles of Corona, I guess in this in the interest of saying they know everything about this guy, so they're ready to pr- provide his Corona. Mm. But it still was funny to think that they would just totally. oh hold on, let me reach back here for an iced bucket of Corona. Of Corona. Oh. Take what this. did you guys think of Kurt Russell's addition to the to the film? Like what do you for th- it? Yeah. yeah, I like Kurt. Russell. I mean man. Kurt Russell, man. I'll anything. I'm yeah. a, I'm a yeah. yes on it. He's good. If, at- he, if he made a decision to do it. I believe yeah. it. Something about him delivering those lines, it's like he makes them, like yeah. he takes the cheese and makes it into like a delicious grilled Absolutely. cheese or a cheese dip or something like something, that. Some you fondue know. or something. Yeah. He knows how to do it, man. And he seems to know too what he's doing as far as like being an elder statesman who's yeah. coming in and breathing a certain amount of gravitas into this. It is a different world than those first four movies, but at this point in the, in the saga, you're mm. sort of, you know, it is an amped up, like I, I think video game culture has sort of influenced oh, totally. the, these movies yeah. a lot too. That a lot of the a lot of the sequences feel like levels that you have to get through. It's a cartoon video game, whatever, where bad guys are just flying left and right, and you're not thinking about the toll. Whereas you know, in the early movies, it really did seem like even when a villainous character died, yeah. you felt like, well, there's going to be legal problems. But now we're we're well beyond nah, that. Yeah, that's none of that. Um, and Tyrese does what I, I like to call uh, dirty macking. It's like uh, it's a term if you look it up on Urban Dictionary. It's like when someone, a friend of yours, is dating someone, and as soon as oh, right. they turn their backs, he's like, hey, how about you and I? And he does this the for dash. like the past two, three movies. Yeah. But this one is the most intense version of the Dirty Mackin'. 
And I'm I'm all for him. I mean, where he a... and Tedge are both into the hacker. Yeah. In the most lascivious, lecherous way, like the way even the camera lingers over her while they're standing there talking about her. Yeah. It's another little vestige of that sort of gross boys club thing. But I do think... There's a think... continuation of that in the, the eighth one, too. Oh, there is. Yeah, that's... That's well, what's also... funny about the eighth one? I feel like some of the things we've been talking about with like six and seven, mm. like even that kind of comment and like the talk about the airplane, th- the landing, I mean, uh, the runway part. Mm. I feel like they must have heard some things yeah. because they they definitely address a few address things. Everything. In, in oh, yeah. I'm yeah. curious if you pick up on it. Yeah. But like, just a ton of stuff that we literally are talking about now. Answered it almost literally sometimes answer some of the questions that we had now i'm exhausted talking about this shit it's yes. it's i i don't see I, what you did was a small miracle that you i did it i'm you, not done though you're not done you have one so we're actually this is an interesting thing we've never had to do this before we are about to take what for you will be just a couple seconds break but for us it'll be a day or two where yeah. i get my shit together and i finally Go see the fate of the furious, and then we'll 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 wrap up this uh, this franchise. This Why been... didn't they put an eight in the fate? Why they should have? They, they really didn't. I, did, I thought I assumed. No, that. oh no. no, it's it's just the word fate. Yeah, missed. They would all these numbers in these titles. But I'm to understand you guys liked it. Huh. Uh, eight? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, for the most part. Yes. Raise a cup up for all my day ones. Do me do fingers for the haters. Let's only get in You guys want to talk about Fate of the Furious? Sure, absolutely. Fate! Get that little uh, sound effect in there, maybe. Now, when we last spoke about this, we thought we were going to be handling this over the phone, but that just never happened. No. But here we are in person again, recording our next couple of episodes, and why not? It got personal. Yes, I I guess so. Fast eight. <laughs> I thought you meant of... the reason we didn't record over yeah. the phone. I was and like, us, yeah. you got to get that fucking remote fixed. Yeah. P.S. Yeah. Did you get your remote fixed? Did I get my remote fixed? Your Apple TV remote. Yes. Okay. So I went there. <laughs> yeah. You guys don't know up. that we postponed uh, a, a phone. Some things. This conversation would have been a phoner, but right. but Ronald, I, I have to say, as far as reasons <laughs> that you had to go get some tech support, I, was... I thought it was a little flimsy, but at the same time, no. I, I understood how much to your life the Apple yeah. TV remote must be central. I don't have cable. So but that do is, you not have the remote you, app on yeah. your phone? It does not work the same way. Okay. It's not as responsive. Okay. It's so strange, man. Okay. It's, it's not I agree good. that it's not as responsive. No, it's Theoretically, not the it should be better, though, because you have more options. You, you don't have think. to do all the navigating around. Until you no, try to do something on demand. Like, you're like, I want to get to this thing. You go, whoop, it's there. No, that's right. It's so weird. But you got it fixed. Yes. Yeah, he swapped it out. Look at that. Oh, God. $80 if I would have bought it. That's the best thing to hear when you go into an Apple store. Yeah, that's why I We're going to swap this out for you. I had to go at that time because I was not going to spend fucking $80. At that point, you just buy another Apple TV (laughs) just to get another one. And you sell that one off to make money back. You know what I'm saying? Like I was so sad, But yeah, so that's why. Yeah. We are now here together. I know, and it actually it worked out experience. for the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, how do you guys feel that movie stacks up to the rest of the series? 
This one was a lot more whatever they're trying to do with emotion. They're, they're trying to do something with this one. I was thinking you could have just ended your sentence at this movie just had more. Yeah. You could have just left it there. I felt like I think that's pretty they did some jumping the shark a little bit. I mean, like even more yeah. than just the action being crazy. But I think the things that they did to up the ante action wise, magnifique. There's this whole thing about Dom turning on the team that I just feel like doesn't play. It's crazy. It just should have, right? It should have been more like. Impactful. It's so clear that he's between a rock and a hard place, and at no point is he actually turning. That it's like I don't know if it was supposed to make us think for a second what's up with Dom. Yeah. Um. I. I don't know. I felt like. I feel like jumping the shark is irrelevant to this series at this point because it's almost <laughs> like their job is to jump the shark with right. each su- subsequent movie. And for me, five, six, seven, eight, they all sort of blend together in terms of the storytelling. It's the set pieces mm-hmm. that stand right. out to me. And we've talked about that. Yeah. And and I think that this movie had a couple of very memorable set pieces and it had a couple of kind of fun bits. And and I think that for instance, I like I like Jason Statham and the Rocks scenes together. I think some of that stuff works pretty well. But in general, I don't think this one was made quite as well as the yeah, last few. I agree. Just in terms of the filmmaking, I don't yeah. want to put too much of it on the foot of the director or at the doorstep of the director. Uh, no, put it on his foot. Put it on his yeah. foot. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> He's got stick, two feet. I'll just so drop just, it right on his foot. He can but I mean, I don't one. know if that's what it is, if it's just a little bit, because it's F. Gary Gray who directed Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. So I just don't know if maybe this played to his strengths as a director. It felt like he was playing in this kind of expanded... I don't know, this universe where everything's so big and everything's more and more and more, as you were saying, Steve. Yeah. I just don't know that it felt as confident. It didn't have that swagger that these films usually have. Yeah. And I don't know, again, I hate to I hate to say that's the director's fault. That wasn't even what bothered me, man. What was it that bothered you? Of all the things in the movie, I could accept fucking him hitting a missile and redirecting Punching a missile right in the punching face. Punching a missile. But something about the kid stuff, man. What do you mean the kid stuff exactly? What was it about it that bugged you the most? It it shouldn't have been in it. It didn't make any sense. It's it. The tone of it was really weird. The action always has like a a level of like, oh Mm -hmm. shit, there's a missile coming towards us. But this was like trying to add some fake drama to it. Are you talking about just the act, the idea that he had a kid, or or the scene where Jason Statham is like carrying the car seat? All of it. Okay. Anything with the kid, anything with the, the, the mom, anything with it, all yeah. of that stuff just felt stupid. You, you wonder, like, when he's, like, shown the photo, uh, when Shelly Surround, like, shows him the photo on the phone or whatever, like, yeah. what possibly could he, she show him that, like, in that moment, <laughs> right. he decides, like, right. like I'm leaving, I'm turning yeah. around. Like, like he, he just leaves uh, Letty and, like, you know, it's yeah. like... Like you said, John, like you don't ever like really buy that he's like fully turned to the dark side yeah, per se. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, like something just switches, and you're like, "What did she show him that like yeah. he's not like reaching out to anybody? Like he's not talking to people?" And even while she's saying, like, you know, I'm sure there was probably some dialogue in there, like you can't tell anybody, right. or I'm gonna kill this person. Right. But I don't know. There's the presentation of it, like just in in terms of what you. You know, it turns out Dom Toretto has never heard of Photoshop. Right, yeah. right. Like yeah. you just, you, you're like, why did he like t- something has to be shown that he buys it immediately? Yeah. Like, but that's not even what she showed him. Really, mm-hmm. like she showed him the girl. Yeah. You know, and he realizes what the big problem is, like when he's actually on that plane. But well, I don't know. It's like yeah, it didn't pay it's off. Weird. It was. It weird. was very weird, man. There's this thing about putting babies in peril. 
that's like a cheap thing to do in movies. It's like a cheesy technique to get you invested. Is to like or have that a baby. the baby exists in general. It's well, not, I mean, it's you're right. It's all it's all kind of corny and it's yeah. all kind of cheesy and it's all kind of melodramatic. But I'm saying the the idea of like a guy having a gun and a baby in a scene. It it's like anyone can get you nervous about that. Like that's yeah. cheap. Those are cheap tactics. As far this as is America, film. John. Yeah. Um, <laughs> audiences love that shit. If the baby died, I'd be like, okay, when, when you saw it, like, was the audience not yeah. like, huh? like, yeah. were they not totally into yeah. that scene? And that scene, the scene that where he puts the headphones on a baby was actually talking, pretty. Yeah. I like that scene. Fun. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. To oh, me, that didn't oh. feel like a baby in peril. You're scene, talking about what? If you, if you thought for a second anything bad was going to happen to right, that baby, right. you're an idiot. <laughs> right. But I'm talking about. The, so you the, thought earlier <laughs> when he's like in the little room with the girl, with the with the yeah, woman and the baby, that there was a, a moment of peril. I, I didn't. I'm saying it's a cheap movie technique to throw oh, yeah. that in and like the try to get you going like oh my god something bad's gonna happen to that baby it's like mm. it's cheap it's just it's it, to me it's like a it's like a shitty device if we're spoiling <laughs> i mean these movies are supposed to be fun like, Brazil- i even thought the way that elena was was dispatched like was bringing nuts. her character back just to kill her off in that way it just felt grim and it didn't match with the tone no, of these movies exactly and then like they didn't even really mourn her at all they were just like oh she died right but we gotta raise this kid it was terrible, man. I I hated that part. My least favorite part of the of the kid was the fact that he names him after his friend who just quit. <laughs> yeah, in this like world, that. Brian didn't die. <laughs> it's just weird to think there's all these people maybe in his family or people that have actually died. Like, why not name him Han? You know, like name him somebody that's no sure. longer with us. Speaking but to of name Han, him after oh that friend of mine who just quit like a few months ago, and now I could go talk to him if I want to. Well, you, I mean that that I mean like I don't know. You know it's a you're, corny thing that Vin Diesel would do though. You, yeah, you're. you're you I think it. you're applying way too much logic to this. But, you're in the eighth film of the Fast and the Furious franchise. You're you, right, you and know, you're like, how are they not going to name this kid Brian? Like the entire movie, I'm like, oh. Oh, it's that kid Brian. don't got a name. He's gonna name Brian. He's gonna be Brian. Like he left, but like you know, that's that's my family. I know. I, I can't know. see him anymore. I know. But I can't pull him in. You're getting at the various reasons that I am not behind this franchise. Right, right, and that's totally acknowledged. But these are also the very reasons why a movie like this makes a billion dollars in like yeah. less than three weeks internationally. Yeah. I'd be willing to bet that they said family more than they said the N-word in, in Django Unchained. <laughs> it, was, it felt like they were saying it. <laughs> Ronald, do you think anyone out there is listening who will do a side-by-side supercut of just back and forth between <laughs> the two? Django Unchained. See, see who survives. <laughs> and would it be Fate of the Furious or the whole series? Would you know? Because I feel like the N-word got a serious workout in uh It did. In it did. I'd say just this movie. It just got to movie. a point where I was like, why? Uh, like... Seven, you might get a lot, too. Yeah. <laughs> Seven, because, you know, Brian's got the... Yeah. The family element. And, yeah, you know, God, man. They wore thing. that movie out. Mm-hmm. I mean, they wore that word out. Anyway, to me, like, overall, this... I mean, I thought this was still a lot of fun. Like, because I'm just it was in... A lot of fun. I'm, I'm just in it. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I'm just in to watch how the spectacle... Be, like, how big of a spectacle it becomes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's really, like, what these movies are now. It's like... Bigger, louder, more, you know, action, choreography, you know, whatever, stunts. But it will be interesting, or I will be interested to see how they maintain, like, so the the, the family theme. Yeah. Like, that's a given in all these films, mm-hmm. and it's played up to the nines. Mm-hmm. But, like, it seems with each film, like, the action pieces are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. But the story doesn't seem to be getting kind of any loose, bigger. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't feel like the narrative is being expanded. Yeah. All they're doing is like they're kind of bringing characters back in, which is a good thing. Yeah. Because I mean, I think that's that universe thing that we talked about earlier in this deep dive of this franchise. But it's like 
I don't know. I, I guess that's what it becomes in like an action franchise is that like it's literally pretty much just the same story over and over again. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I'm just curious, you know, if they say this is the start of a new fr- trilogy, that mm-hmm. there's supposed to be two more of these yeah. and then whatever offshoots there are. Yeah. I'm just curious on like what the end game is for that 10th film if it is truly 10. Right. Like what Yeah. what 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 is the bookend of this like thing that started as like a smaller street racing I don't even not even really an action movie, you know, kind of like more of like a I don't even know what you'd call the first I think strictly Furious. speaking it's an action movie because it has Action. It's got races. It's got okay. that kind of stuff in it. But it's like it's it's it's, it's, it's going, like an action drama. Yeah, it's gone, and I feel like that's way more emphasis on like drama in the first film. Mm-hmm. And there's sure there's action because of the street races. It's because there's actual characters in the first film, right? Too. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that, that's exactly the point. Is that by this time at eight, you know, it's it's action on every level of action: yeah. gunplay, stunts, prison breaks, yeah. jumping out of everything you can possibly imagine, or from above and beyond. I don't know, b- yeah. above and below. But I think that's like at this point we've come to expect that the all of the government agencies in the world, yeah, uh, their best bet is calling on a team of car thieves, right? That's what it is, and and racers. And it's cool, it's fun. I'm just like, it's not a bad thing that I'm saying. I'm curious, but it would be cool, like whether it's from the voice of the filmmaker that they bring in to do the next two, or or maybe some new cast. I don't know. Like it'd be cool just to see, like if they actually have any intention of like maybe trying to like. Bring it in a little bit. I think they should. I think it's yeah. possible. I think they could get to a point where, like, whatever the next thing is involves some very stripped down things, like racing again. Yeah. I was gonna say in they that could, tenth movie when you said what would bookend it, I'm picturing like a movie where the stakes are stripped down to like Dom in some kind of racing scenario where he's got to be like build from the ground up, or maybe yeah. he doesn't have his team, or maybe he doesn't have the backing of. The fucking, right. you know, whatever billionaire consortium of right, right. military industrial yeah. complex people that have said, let's make sure that Dom Toretto and his guys have this right. thing. I just think that that stuff, I mean, I don't know how they could do it, though. I mean, in a weird way, I, it's almost like the whole problem with people's attempts to explain how, like, say, the James Bond movies. You know, there's all these fan yeah. theories that try to explain how there's a continuity or maybe James Bond is an identity that people slip into. But there's just no way to reconcile the tone of something like the recent Daniel Craig films with Definitely. some of the wackier Roger Moore films. Totally. And you shouldn't yeah. be trying to. So if what you're saying, Steve, is true, that maybe they cast younger people or get new blood in... I don't know how interested people would be to see that, but if they do it just right, mm-hmm. they could pass the torch. I mean, you yourself, Ronald, said in our last episode that this is like the Star Wars of car movies. Yeah. If there is a new generation that they can hand it off to, maybe the goal is to sort of end up where they started. That might seem like an obvious yeah. thing to do, but I would love to see, honestly, I would love to see it get back to, as silly as those earlier films are in a lot of ways, the visceral charge of just the... The one-on-one totally racing, I think, is largely missing from these new films. Where it really is, I mean, at five they clearly decided to do something different. Definitely, but I think that if they could find some way to get back to I, that, in the same way that like George Miller got back to basics yeah. when he made Fury Road, and yet he still kind of it was still huge. The scope of it was still giant, mm. but there's something about that movie that feels stripped down. I think they could do that with this series. I don't think it's that hard. I think they could just do like a you know the Gumball Three Thousand. Mm-mm. It's Mm-mm. so the Gumball Three Thousand is like a real race where uh, they bring in oh, yeah, exotic yeah. cars in. Isn't there a one, documentary about it or something? Yeah, they bring them into one place and they race mm. like uh, across this big space, 
if they bring them all to one place and they get them to bring their own cars and they have all these like racers from all over the world, they're incredible. Mm-hmm. And the stakes are like um, um, $50 million or okay. something like that. If they scale it down like that and make it back to just racing, and maybe there's some weird rules involved. Like, no, right. There could be some life yeah, or death stuff going like, on. Life or death stuff. I, 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 there are ways. I dig it. I, there are I ways would, you could do would, it if they had something be into like that. that. What if Dom is kidnapped by some weird, oh, shit. like, Mexican drug cartel guy who has, like, these, like, like they're gladiators. They're, like, prisoners that he keeps, and he makes them race. That would be cool. And the loser dies yeah, or something that like cool, that. Man. That I mean, you just... that that kind of thing seems cool. That could like, happen, you know. Like it, it, it still could I mean, have. They've a... already gone this crazy. Why it not? It could go still crazier? have amazing like action set pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it doesn't need to rely on like. Well, the rest of the team's trying to find Dom and rescue him, Steve. Right, right. So they're right. they're globe trotting, and you could have like a good uh, sympathy death, like Kurt Russell dies at the end of the first act and gives right. him some information right before it happens. We've yeah. never faced anyone like this before. <laughs> yeah, I never told you about you know. Why aren't we working for? I don't know. Man. Why are they? Why are they not? Maybe that us? could be the next two. Maybe, Maybe because do... uh, we spend half the time trashing their films. Right. They don't want to bring us on. But could I feel be. like on this franchise, we could that this table would be a good table to like give them a few yeah. pointers. Totally. We wrote the plots to the next two. You have the the <laughs> your Dom idea. I yeah. do my like Gumball three thousand. <laughs> yeah. Those are the next two movies. Yeah. Yeah. Smash hits. Two mm-hmm. billion dollars each. So what did you think of these the additions to this world? Uh, Charlize Theron and um, uh, Helen Mirren. <sighs> Theron, I mean, I mean, seeing her on screen is always like a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think, like, I think she does the best possible thing she can with white people dreads. <laughs> that was my first choice, <laughs> but what? also with like this. You when know, I first saw her, I hope that was a disguise. Yeah, and then I, she, so I thought she was going to whip off. it off. It was no, like, no, nope. Just like, I don't know, it's just the same shit. Like these generic yeah. villains, yeah. you know, yeah, like they're generic. just either super strong or super smart, yeah. you know, or they have every resource available. I, you know, it's like, it's like the, the, the reach is infinite and it's like, and each thing just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, which is like reaching into like the crew that they run with now, you know, there's like the hackers and like, just like yeah. the, like every, like every possible thing is covered. Yeah. So your villain has to be able to do all that too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's like I don't. It's it's one of the it's the problem that's in most action films. Yeah. But I would never complain about seeing Charlize on yeah. the screen. I mean, I thought she was fine. I was gonna say I liked the whole angle of I was there the whole time, mm-hmm. but they didn't do it well enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that was the whole her whole thing. Like I was there the whole time. Right. I was involved. You know, I was watching you guys as right. you went through these adventures. Yeah. And I was interfering. If they would have showed you maybe the little things that she had her hand in, mm-hmm. that would have been cool as shit. But it, or like prior characters interacting with her at least yes, or something like that. It just didn't feel like they fleshed out that part enough. And they said it enough that it felt like, okay, there should be some reward right. yeah. of just saying that stuff. But eh, I don't know. Well, the other part of that for me was just that they're in this expansion phase where they bring in these actors and they just want to keep them around. Yeah. And so and I'm not saying that like you should have to kill a villain at the end of every movie. But at this point, it's not hard to pick her coming back in the next movie or the one after that yeah. and and not being uh you know teaming up against a greater foe or something yeah. and i feel like that at this point at episode eight in a series when that has already happened two or three times it starts to feel a little like her getting away at the end yeah. to me felt like oh, okay now now hanging on to her. part of this franchise and the other flip side of that are you noticing that your glass is <laughs> not g-rated yeah let me um, see <laughs> look at yours Oh shit! <laughs> oh yes! Like what? The it's hell? like old time burlesque dancer nice. cartoon drawings right, right, right. on these uh, glasses. I have uh, divine. I got Ooh. Venus. 
have ginger. Ginger. All right. It's mm. good. You know, Henry, uh, I one time gave him something in one of these glasses, and he looked at it, and he told me it wasn't appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I love Henry. Uh, He's got his head on straight. But the, in that in that vein of the villain sticking around and becoming a friend, yeah. um, I had a hard time, even though I enjoyed seeing Statham in this film, I had a hard time with them sort of just forgiving him. Didn't he kill Han? He killed Han, like, in cold blood. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say that earlier, and I, we, like, I didn't get a chance to, but that, that was, gonna, I was going to ask you guys, like, a lot of people, fans of the series, have kind of backlashed against that portion of it, it especially because he's given such a prominent role in the yeah. movie, and, like, talks about a him family. and The Rock having, like, a... Spinoff and all. See, that I thought he was good, and one of the, my favorite parts of it. But I do think that that is just a case of what I'm talking about. Is they're they're playing so fast and loose with yeah. any kind of logic that yeah. they're just trying to get that cast together and trying to get that. And again, I don't blame them. And if it works, hey, they got to a billion in like five minutes. Yeah. Um, not that that's the arbiter of anything, but that's a definite sign that this movie is trying to. Well, you know, maybe it is an arbiter of this movie succeeding at what it was trying to do, yeah. which is get butts in seats. I would point to the Mission Impossible films totally. as a sign that yeah. you can have a I little bit more agree. weight and character consistency, and a little bit more between the ears, and keep the fun of these amazing sequences. Well, I think that they need like if Matt Damon could be a villain. That's a something. weird rumor. I saw that. Yeah. I think it was a joke, but I don't know. But if he is, no, that'd yeah, be yeah. cool. Hey, man, Helen Mirren was in this one. Strange shit yeah. happens. What? It's such a good actress having some kind of slumming in, in, in a way, and I don't even mean that as a knock on these films. I just mean it's no. the type of material that Seriously. it is. Like when when Helen Mirren is in this film, she's not elevating it. No, it's no. bringing her into this world yeah. of the. You know, she's even playing sort of a, a like the kind of Cockney accent. Yeah, she was yeah. even doing a kind of different character than I've seen her do. So to wrap up, what's your favorite Fast and the Furious movie, Ronald? Is it? Fast and Furious. That's the one, right? The fourth one? That's the fourth one. Where where Dom comes back. Yes. Fast and Furious. That's my favorite one. All right. What about you, Steve? That's the one I was like, oh. Mm, Man, that's tough. I have two that were really close to one another. I guess I'll go Fast Five. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was a good one. I feel like that's just where I I felt like it really kind of... I mean, obviously, they embraced this change. Like, I feel like it just kind of like hit a stride there. And I feel like the direction really kind of leveled out and... I don't know. I feel like even though it's gotten sillier and sillier with the action, that one still had some really cool car-based racing in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, on still being paired with crazy action sequences. Um, but I don't know. I think that's the one where I really realized that like this is going to be like an ongoing. Like they really <laughs> have like legs that this is going to keep. Yeah. And I and I actually I just genuinely think that's a really I like that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's three that I really think I really like a lot, but I feel like that one probably edges it only because, um, I just feel I feel I feel like there's like a like a switch went off, like it just I can feel it through that film watching it that like something clicked. Mm. We sort of discussed how me watching these movies in kind of a marathon may have caused yeah. the later ones to, blur, to yeah. blur together a little bit. I do think that's a symptom of the movies too, though, because the first four don't blend yeah. together in my mind, and I really gave it some thought. Like, which of these movies would I enjoy watching the most and i was sort of surprised that it's the first one yeah that's that's that, i mean that's, I, I didn't expect that to be the case at all but that's the one that i feel like had the characters yeah even though the later movies are still working on those characters they're set up in that movie the relationship between dom and brian again as corny as that kind of like machismo two guys kind of bonding that stuff if it's done well and with a little bit of soulfulness which i think those those actors did yeah put a little bit of soul into it i think it, it has something that is is still working for the the other movies, even though the movies have 
gone to this absurd link in terms of the action. I think it still yeah. is rooted in that sense of that that whole friendship and family thing is started in the first movie, and that right. idea that you know actually plays out over over a series of films, not over just the one movie, but the idea of Dom being betrayed by Brian and finding out like it's it doesn't play it doesn't tie itself up in a neat bow in that film. Yeah. And I actually think the ending of that movie again as crazy and silly as that final race is where Dom flips his car and then like I feel like all that plays out again the later movies those plot points get picked up too. So I just feel like they did a good job of setting up a much more a, a story that or a series that had much more giant moving parts in it and stuff than that first movie would indicate. But I think so much of what has worked about the franchise still goes back to those aspects that were established in the first movie. So Yeah. But that's not to say that if I were to pick my favorite moments, I might not be looking at some of the sequences from the last four because there really are those those moments where, as we've said, where the visual storytelling kicks in and you just know, okay, we're in for this this ride. I would say me personally, five is my my go to, but if like the three solid like the three that I feel like are genuinely good, I want to say are five, one and seven for mm-hmm. me. Are like my three favorite. Yeah. One is one is amazing. But I like seven I, too. Yeah, I mean, I think of the of five, six, seven. It was the one that I enjoyed the overall shape of it the most. Like the scenes kind of gathered together. But it is mm. it is true. I am intending at some point to go back and watch five, not part of a spell yeah. of watching all yeah. of them, just to see if I feel a little bit better towards it. Because so many people say that's the best one. Mm. But for now, I think uh, I think the first one is the, the one that, that that I actually have the most affection for. Like as cool. you know. I could see it. It feels like a movie that if it were on cable and I was flipping around, I would stop and see what part it was and I would watch a few scenes, you know. Mm. And it doesn't even, I don't know, some movies are just like that. They're just constructed well. Yeah. It's also the shortest, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Tokyo Drift is the shortest. <laughs> Take your word for it. It's the saddest. <laughs> Tokyo Drift is definitely the saddest. <laughs> well, they definitely get, get longer to the point where the new one, two hours and 40 minutes, was a, was a little too long, I That's thought. That's really long, so. What's that? Yeah, that's that. Whew, we did it. I'm furious. All summed up. Two more years, we'll come back and talk about nine Fast, nine Furious. Yeah, whatever it's nine called. Fast, <laughs> right. Fast, nine Furious. I don't even know what you. I don't know how you work it in there. Yeah. I mean, Maybe it's no in Germany. Places. Yeah. In the nine nine Fast yeah. and Furious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as fast always, and Furious nine. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Say wherever you can find podcasts, you can find movie schmovie. Um, I, I've noticed. Have you guys noticed this? Any other podcast you listen to? That they don't call it iTunes anymore. What do they call it? I mean, it is iTunes. Yeah. But when they're saying you can find us on under, you know, blank is the Apple one. Yeah. They're all saying Apple Podcasts now. Yeah. Oh. I don't know if you've noticed that. I don't know if that's because it's the app. Maybe because like it's you the know, app. people are really going mobile. Like they're not getting yeah. it in iTunes maybe per we se. Just say that though. I don't know. It sounded it sounded cool. It sounded like a little fancier. Like make it sound a little more legit. Yeah, maybe people hate iTunes. Right, right. So like you but know, they, you're not like plugging this up. A lot of people aren't plugging into your computer to get right. our episodes. Well, what maybe. I hear, what I hear a lot is, um, look for us on your podcast app, which yeah. is sort of assuming maybe that they have. An iPhone, right? They can just go to that little podcast icon. Yeah. But also, if they have a different phone, then it a also platform. still applies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you can go to your podcast app, I like that. whatever it is, yeah. and I'm sure you can find Movie Schmovie. You can. Uh, you can also go to MovieSchmovie.com yep. if you want to stream some past episodes. You can do that. Uh, you can like us on Facebook if you want to just kind of make sure you're updated with any things that we tend to post, which are mainly just episodes. Yeah. Every once in a while, John will post something be an article of interest. Or, something. Uh, or you can email us, MovieSchmovie at gmail.com. If you have feedback, suggestions, ideas for episodes, we uh, would love that. But going to the Apple podcast platform or to the iTunes platform 
if you can if you do get us uh, if you do get this podcast from there, you want to you know give us a review, give us a rating. It really helps. I know you hear it at every episode of probably every podcast you listen to, but that's because it's true. It really does help a podcast get discovered, yeah. get uh, higher up in that list of search results. When somebody types in movie, it might come up a little higher, and then, uh, we would appreciate it. So, okay, cool. Uh, other than that, I don't think I have anything else. And as always, you made our day. Bye. <laughs> get it. That's it.